I want you to go uh, and just kind of make some uh, notes and just remind yourself tonight about what diligence is all about. We've talked about walking in the truth. Say walking in the truth. And we've talked about faithfulness. Say faithfulness. And we started our discussion on diligence. And I want you to understand this tonight, that because there are seven factors uh, for your supernatural increase, you'll notice something about every one of them. For example, when it comes to walking in the truth, there is not a person alive that can stop you from walking in the truth. They can try to deceive you. They can try to divert you. But at the end of the day, because we're people of the Spirit and we're people of the Word, and how you understand when you spend time in the Word, it prepares you, according to Hebrews, to discern between what? Good and evil, right and wrong, error and truth. So literally, because that first dimension is walking in the truth, you could think of it this way. Nobody can stop me from walking in the truth, so nobody can stop me from increasing. Nobody. This is not about what they said or what they did. It's not about how you were raised. It's not about what kind of incentives you've had in life or what benefits you've had in life or advantages you've had in life. If this is true, and it is, then no one can stop you from increasing because no one can stop you from walking in the truth. In other words, the basis of these principles are grounded in the fact that you and I can choose to increase. Say that with me, I choose to increase in every area of life. Same thing is true of faithfulness, which is the second dimension of this series. We've talked about this. Uh, you know, people can try to influence you and push on you and try to, you know, kind of divert you or, or kind of cut in on you, as Galatians says, but nobody can stop you from being faithful. Come on, talk to me, church. No one. If you are faithful, it's because you've chosen to be faithful. If you're unfaithful, it's because you've chosen to be unfaithful. In terms of unfaithful towards God in your personal relationship, unfaithful in your ministry, unfaithful in your relationships, and unfaithful as a giver, no one can force you to be unfaithful. So supernatural increase is not tied to someone else. It's tied to what I actually do. Now, as you apply each one of these, and they kind of kind of you know blend together, you've got a foundation for supernatural increase. And already we've seen God do things. Um, you've heard of the PPP program uh, throughout the country that the, uh, the Congress had set up, and uh, all kinds of businesses and churches were also you know, uh, able to take advantage of that. But there's a second round of PPP that's now been approved, this latest thing, and Hope Harbor doesn't qualify. We just don't, I just report to you tonight, we don't, we don't qualify for the second stimulus PPP. You say, well, Pastor, how comes that? Because you have to show a 25% decrease from one year to the next. You have to show a 25% decrease from quarter to quarter or year to year. And as I was talking to, who's become a friend, you know, someone who's helped us out with banking matters as a ministry, he's dumbfounded because we actually increased 9%. Not decreased 25%. So it's almost like the Lord is saying, I'm going to kind of give you a shove in the right direction as a church. <laughs> uh, we are 35% on the other side of the threshold. And so I reviewed this because, you know, if uh, something's able to bless the ministry, I want the ministry to be blessed by it. Uh, we don't qualify because we didn't have a 25% decrease, but we had almost a 10% increase. And it has to be, you know, first of all, the faithfulness of God to honor 
his work. I love talking about increase because God does so many things, you know, in this in this dimension, in this particular area. But it also has to be somebody in this church decided to be faithful. And not just one somebody. And not just two somebodies. Nobody wrote a $500,000 check or a $100,000 check. You understand what I'm saying to you? An awful lot of somebodies decided they were going to be faithful in a terrible time, in a hard time. I mean, you think about the fact that we weren't even in services at all for a season. <laughs> the quarter from about, y'all okay with this? It's just exciting to see what God is doing. We're talking about the increase, and God is like, hello. <laughs> Let's get this thing started, amen. Now, uh, this is not so you can sit back and say, well, the church doesn't need me now to be faithful. Then you're missing the whole point. <laughs> Are you here tonight? You're just missing the whole point if you grab this. So looking at it a little bit more in detail from quarter to quarter, um, what should have happened in April, May, and June is like a lot of other churches who range from 20, 25 to 60% drop in income. Uh, in that quarter, comparing with 2019, you're up over $40,000. Um, that's when the bottom started to really fall out for people. And all I can say is God's word is true. God is faithful. And the people of Hope Harbor are extraordinary. Extraordinary. Uh, you, can, you can give the Lord a hand clap. He doesn't deserve the praise. Amen. Come on, give him a shout, and we thank God for it. So, and yes, we had the benefit of having transition towards electronic giving and all that, but at the end of the day, you know, if it's not in the heart to give, I don't care what kind of methodology you have. Pass the bucket, go online. People aren't going to do it. Wherever your heart is, there your treasure is. What? I mean, that's a very simple principle, but it's so true. What we really care about in our hearts, that's where we actually tend to invest. And a lot of good people care about what God is doing through and in this ministry and what God has for it in the future. Now, what's staggering to me is before they got to you know, poking around and looking around and seeing what God actually did in this crazy time, the word of the Lord has already come concerning you that those of you who were diligent as sowers and givers last year are going to have a great year of reaping in 2021. It does not go unnoticed. He never forgets a seed sown. We do. I mean, sometimes we forget what we sowed yesterday. God does not forget a seed sown. So uh, you've been part of that group that's walked in the truth concerning finances, and you've been diligent. You've been faithful in terms of your, your heart towards God in this past year, and you're making up your mind to be diligent. You should get your expector out there. My expector is out there. Uh, what else can he do? What else does he want to do in us and through us? And if it was a year where he kind of got off the path, how do you understand God's merciful and kind and gracious? Just repent and get back on the path again. But I can tell you this, an awful lot of people don't need to repent in this church because they obviously were just consistent throughout that situation. So whatever God has for us in the future, just continue to be that way. And I just wanted to point out to you that this is how these things work. Um, 
No one can stop you from walking in the truth. No one. No one can stop you from being faithful. And no one tonight can stop you from being diligent. And diligence is interesting because all it means is a steady application to any business or any endeavor. You could be an athlete. Uh, Somebody from my graduating class actually put a picture on Facebook of our old swim team, and there I am right in the middle of it, and it's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) And uh, all I can tell you is you don't get to be a a top-level swimmer by jumping in the pool every once in a while or sitting on the deck with suntan lotion on. It's called what? Steady application. Anything you're going to do in life, it requires steady application. And it goes quite against our nature and even against our culture right now, which is instant gratification. Now, you're not going to get to the place of supernatural increase overnight. And although you'll have some things happen overnight, how I many you know he's well able to do that? But you have to understand that this mentality that I'm going to just drive through the window and two minutes later I've got my food and that's the way all this is going to work, it doesn't work that way. But I will tell you this, God has designed this entire system to work on the principles of seed, time, and harvest, which we will get to in this series. But how do you understand that a seed is designed to actually do something? Does that make sure? Yeah, get that, everybody... Yeah, it's designed that way. It's not just what to sit there and you look, oh, that's C, that's great. No, it's designed to actually grow. And then when it grows, what happens? It turns into something. But it doesn't turn into anything unless it's what? Unless it's actually planted. Corn seed, soybeans, it doesn't make any difference what it is. Everything in this earth is, is a function of seed time and harvest. Rodney was talking about this on Sunday. It's just never going to cease. Throughout the eternity of God's kingdom, we will always see the principle in play wherever we happen to be stationed, wherever we are. And the good news is that you and I can say, well, it's, a, it's supposed to happen. Something's supposed to happen to this seed. It's supposed to grow. When it grows, it turns into something. But nothing ever happens if it's not sown. It doesn't get to be what it was destined to be. Now watch this. Between putting it in the ground and it turning into what it's supposed to become is some time. And that's where the diligence has to come in. I'm just going to stay with the things of God. I'm going to be constant and consistent. I'm not going to be moved by what I feel. How many you understand right now? You and me both, we could be moved by what we feel. I feel some things strongly today. But I don't have permission to talk about it, so I'm not going to. But this y'all look at me. You know. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> but the good news for you and for me is, and we get this idea, you know, in, in life, whatever, that people can stop us, they can obstruct us. No, you'll watch the, the word of God and you'll see that when God has called somebody to do something and they've held to his word, he will find a way. He's bringing you through, Amen. I said he is bringing you through. So we're steady. We're conscientious about our work, our duties, our responsibilities. We're dependable. You can count on us. You can rely on us. And write this down. Diligence is a learnable skill. It's not, well, I was born with diligence. No, that's a cop-out. You can actually develop diligence in your life, which means you can develop something that's actually going to produce long-term in your life, a thing called supernatural increase. And it's a skill that combines creative persistence 
and a good work ethic that anybody can develop. Some of you were raised around parents or grandparents and they instilled that in you. How many know there are a few people in this modern generation that did not have that instilled inside of them? They think work is a disease. Hallelujah. But when you understand this, it, uh, it, it opens up the door to the good things that God actually has for you because if you look in the scripture, you'll see that not everything happens in a day. How long have we been waiting for the Lord's return? How many years has the word prophesied his return? It's about to become what it was sown to become. Jesus was sown into this earth, and guess what? He expects a great harvest. You think he's going to leave it standing in the field? No, I don't think so. Between the time it's sown to the time there is a harvest, right? It became what it's supposed to become, the body of Christ. There's going to be a great harvest, and he, of course, has the privilege of coming back for us, doesn't he? Why? He's the one that sowed it. The best seed that the Father ever had, Jesus himself, for you and for me. So catch this, diligence is working steadily at something without respect to time. Write this down. You can't stop and start and be diligent. Just start and keep on going. Right? Continue to do the thing you're called to do. If you're called to, to music ministry and singing, do it. If you're called to teach, do it. If you're called to lead, do it. If you're called to manage, do it. If you're called to work with kids, do it. If you're called to sweep the floor, sweep the floor. Do what you're supposed to do and do it with what? With all of your heart, do it with diligence. And if they find you 20 years from now or 100 years from now, guess what you're still doing? That's the mindset. You do what God has assigned you to do. And there are some great examples in the Word. There are great examples, you know, in our society of people who just continue to do what God wanted them to do. And you know what? When the Lord eventually did call their name, amen, when their life was through, they were found faithful. What a wonderful thing. Amen. No matter what season of their life or what came at them, they were still doing the thing that God called them to do. It caused a supernatural increase in our lives. So say it with me. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Watch this. Think about what you're saying. If I cannot be defeated and I will not quit, what's going to happen? We win. I cannot be defeated is a statement of scriptural truth. We learned a little bit about this last year in a little series I like to call the year of triumph. He always <laughs> leads us in what? In triumph. So therefore, I cannot be defeated. So then if I don't win, it's due to what? The second part. And I will not quit. If I lose, it's because I did what? I quit. Now, Christians have perfected, you know, you know, the art of looking like a Christian, sounding like a Christian. They have perfected the, the Christian look on the face. We walk in so angelic, everything is wonderful. And you know, it's not. But we have perfected the idea. I mean, we've perfected the way of this is what happens. But how many know you can look a certain way on the outside, but on the inside you could have imploded? There are a lot of people who have given up on the inside, and they're just functioning on the outside. You need to have a can, man, you know, a mentality of can do and a fight mentality and a won't quit mentality on the inside of you 
So that what is on the outside actually reflects what's happening on the inside of you. It's a function of the heart imploding. So say it with me, I can't be defeated, and I will not quit. The only way I can lose then is if I what? Is if I quit. Turn to somebody and tell them if you don't quit, you don't lose. Or Robert said years ago about those Hebrew boys when Jesus joined them, of course, in that fiery, fiery pit. And he said it like this. He said, if you don't bow, you don't burn. If you don't quit, you don't lose. Amen? Say, I'm not a quitter. Quitting's not for me. I will just say this to you that you may be tempted to. You may have all kinds of demonic activity just speaking at you, other people trying to you know, dissuade you from pressing on, lots of voices out there. I just want to encourage you along this line that um, yielding to that spirit, yielding to that quitting mentality makes you more susceptible to it in the future. Don't give it any place. Because it's one of those habits in life that doesn't take very many times to, to you know, develop an addiction to it. Um, one of the things that's so devastating about methamphetamine is it's, not, it's often said, you know, one time you partake of it, you could be a lifelong addict. That's how powerful it is. Now, we always knew that about crack and some other things, but I mean, saying that, uh, you know, meth is much more readily available to people throughout the country. And it just depends on how things are cut and how they're done. But these are very, very dangerous, you know, substances, you know, physiologically to, to the body. Quitting is, is an addiction to the soul that's very, very easy to get into as a habit. Are you here tonight? So whatever you do, you just make up your mind. I'm not quitting what God's called me to do. I'm not quitting my place. I'm not quitting my assignment. I'm not quitting my mindset. I'm not quitting my faith. I'm not going to quit confessing the word. I'm not going to quit praying over things. I'm not going to quit believing that I have victory in all things. I'm not going to quit believing that I can make a difference, no matter how old or young I am. I'm not going to quit believing that the promises of God are yes and they're amen. Amen. We're not going to quit on people who aren't saved. We're going to keep believing for them, no matter how they act. When they do stupid things, we're not moved by what we see. We just continue to believe they're going to come into the kingdom of God. You're not going to quit on seeds you've sown. You're not going to quit on things you prayed 10, 20 years ago. You're going to continue to pray. You're going to continue to believe. There are things that I'm still standing on. It's been many, many years. And if I looked at the time instead of the word, I could be defeated. But I'm not looking at the time. I'm looking at the word of God, which is timeless. It puts you in a position to be like the Lord, stable and constant. But I'll tell you, you don't want to yield to this. Raise your hand if the devil has worked on you in the past couple of years on quitting. Quit this, quit that. Yeah, you want to know why? Because it is an easy addiction to acquire and very difficult to lose. I've watched this in athletics. You know, somebody would implode on the inside, they may never come back to that particular sport, never succeed again if they quit. You know what? They didn't quit because it was necessarily a sign they were going to be defeated. It's just something happened on the inside of them. And, you know, you need to have a mindset. I'm going to be diligent in this area. Hallelujah. Now, there might be certain areas specifically that you're tempted to be a quitter in. Shore those up. Apply some word of God to that situation so that you're strong in faith 
and strong and believing God. I want to give you a bunch of areas that you need to be diligent in tonight and just kind of jot these down. First of all, diligent in guarding your heart. Proverbs 4.23. Have you noticed there are lots of opportunities out there to get put out? Every day. The offense of the day club. Everybody has an opinion. <laughs> I, uh, I think about this uh, one character, he works for the PBS system, and he now, he now thinks that uh, what we should do is round up everybody who ever supported or worked for the Trump administration, every Republican, use Homeland Security to round up their kids and put their kids in a re-education camp. Now watch this. This is a function of Americans not knowing their history and not knowing world history. Because this is directly out of the Maoist playbook in China. This is exactly what they did when the communists defeated the nationalists in China. They rounded up everybody who did not yield to that doctrine, to that party. They rounded everybody up, put them in re-education camps, and they either complied or they died in those camps. They could be teachers, doctors, they could be lawyers, they could be farmers, they could be laborers, they could be skilled at what they do. It didn't make any difference what they did. If they didn't tow the company line, they were placed in these camps. Now what you have right now, and I am in the middle of writing an article about this, is called the malice among us. And they're in this country right now. And when, when you hear words like re-education and retraining and and trying to make them think the right way. There are people in this country, and there are many of them in power right now, that want there to be a one-party system in this country, just like totalitarian communist China. Now watch this. That makes me mad. <laughs> to put it mildly. And the characters that do this, because I, I do know our history, and I do know China's history, and I do understand how that all happened. And the audacity of people, and oh, by the way, PBS is paid for with yours, my tax dollars. So we are funding Maoists to spout off communist propaganda right here in our nation, on the television, on the radio, and you and I have to put up with it. That's what we're facing right now in this nation. Now, I don't know what might have aggravated you, but that was kind of over the top for me. Um, is it worth your anointing? Is it worth your victory? Is it worth your increase? There's a million ways to compromise your victory. Amen? But there's one surefire way to, to get victory over those things that would try to slam you and divert you, and that is maintain diligence when it comes to your heart. Guard your heart with all Diligence. Because what? It is the source of life. It's, it's, it's where the issues of life come from. Now here, here's the deal. Who can guard your heart but you? Nobody. You're the only one that can do it. What's going on inside? What's happening? Uh, you know, Make a decision right then and there that these things are not going to compromise the good things that God wants to do in your life. And I'd like to tell you that you've heard the last of the stupid. You've not heard the last of the stupid in this nation. Why? They're just getting warmed up. 
And if you don't protect your heart, you're going to have what? One fit after the other. You know, 2021 will be the year of the carnal fit for you. That's a terrible way to live your life. And you guard your heart. Now, you can, do, you can do warfare over those things. You ought to be doing a lot of binding this year. When you hear something like that, I bind that in Jesus' name. We're Americans. We're not communists. We're not totalitarian people. We're people in a republic in Jesus' name. And kind of help you out here, be careful also the voices you're listening to that, te- that tend to be your voices, people that you would agree with. Typically, some of those folks are out to lunch. Can I help you out here tonight? I can't go to the big T tonight. I don't have permission to because I'm guarding my heart. <laughs> but uh, you can just hear it from me tonight. I'd be glad to apologize if I'm wrong about this. But there's not going to be martial law declared in this country. So stop storing up the toilet paper again and taking all the chicken. Just knock it off. You're a Christian. You don't have a spirit of fear. If the Lord has to bring a chicken into your yard to roast, he can bring a chicken into your yard. Stop the fear and the nonsense. I predict the president's going to be on the golf course in Florida on the 19th. Not declaring martial law. Is God done with him? No, God's not done with him, just like God's not done with you. But a lot of people are getting riled up. They're not protecting the heart. They're not guarding the heart because all this stuff is coming at them and they're not even discerning whether these things are true or not. The other day, the the big thing was when Nashville was blown apart, which was basically a personal vendetta of someone who couldn't stand technology and a little off the wall. They should have caught that because there was enough warning signs. But there was an element in this country that was actually saying that that was a missile strike that was aimed for Trump's plane and it missed the plane. The, the missile, boy, that was a long-range missile because he was nowhere near Nashville. Can you see what, what can happen if you don't what? Guard your heart. Well, so-and-so said this, or whoever ran this program, you're supposed to be a discerner of things. Say it, I discern things, and I guard my heart. Um, I just need to quit before I get myself in trouble tonight, but I, <laughs> I want to challenge you, you know, be diligent about these things. What does the Bible say? Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You're not going to get your faith built by paying attention to every crazy thing that's said to the right or to the left of you. Look at somebody and tell them, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. Hallelujah. Amen. It might be interesting for a couple of you to know that Kim Clement prophesied that Trump would be impeached twice. <laughs> I would like to talk to him right now. He's with Jesus also. Kind of feel like it was like an Elijah thing. You know, bring me up, Scotty. These people are nuts down here. I'll just <laughs> prophesy and just get me out of here. He's up there playing for the Lord right now and having a great time. And boom. And it said both impeachments would come to nothing. But the fact of the matter is, 
you know, God is speaking, and you have to discern. You see that? Um, ultimately, the words of a prophet are affirmed by what? The truth of it. <laughs> it coming to pass, right? Uh, and there are some, um, some prophecies that, that, are, uh, that, are, that are more in line with the belief and the faith of the people, pulling those in. And there are other things that have to do with God's sovereign will that it's fine if you agree with them or not, but because it has to do with God's timing and his big picture, they're going to come to pass, period. For example, he's coming back whether you believe he's coming back or not. Does that make sense? Well, if you don't believe Jesus is coming back, he's not coming back. Wrong, he's coming back. <laughs> Amen. Because that's the way this works. So, your heart, it's a big deal. Uh, diligence in guarding your heart, um, it's just huge. The opportunities are always going to be there to be sidetracked and get upset about this and get in the flesh about that. Uh, you have the little buttons that uh, people can push and seem to affect you. We all do. But the bottom line is the responsibility for guarding your heart is whose? It's yours. Come on, say it. It's my responsibility. Number two, getting along with other people. Luke 12, 58, that passage refers to somebody when he's about to be taken to court, work out these details and do it quickly. As much as lies with you, do what? Live at peace, Romans says, with what all men? Diligent means I don't do that for a day. Well, I'm going to put up with them for another six weeks, Pastor, but then I'm going to let them have it. That's not diligence. Amen? But how many can raise your hand and say, I felt that way from time to time? I know Pam feels that way at Walmart. No, she, you know what she's saying right now? Don't drag me into this conversation. It's your sermon. <laughs> Especially working over by customer service. <laughs> Used to hear some stories from Kay working that uh, layway back there. <laughs> There's a sermon there. Amen. Praise the Lord. When Kay got to heaven, the Lord gave her a special award just for Walmart employees. And special crown. <laughs> you want one of them too, though? Yeah. Oh, yes, amen. <laughs> Number three, diligent in your area of service, Romans 12, 8. Keep doing what you're called to do. Some people have been on hiatus, taking a vacation, you know, from what God's called them to do. It's time to get off the shelf. It's time to get back in the game. Any other cliche I can come up with tonight, you need to get back in there and do what you're supposed to be doing. Um, yeah, COVID has redirected us a little bit, but uh, in the end of the day, the church will march on, and you need to be diligent about what God has called you to do. There's still people that need, still need to hear the gospel, still need help out there. There are people in crisis, and you, God could put you across the path to be a solution for that person's life if you'll just be it. Number four, diligent in your giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. We don't start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. We just keep going. Can I have an Amen. Number five, we're diligent to get and stay on your path. 2 Timothy 4 9. Aren't you glad God has a path for you? How I many you know he'll illuminate the way for you? You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. My experience is he doesn't give us 15 lit paths, you know, lit stones at a time. Wouldn't that be easy? If he showed you everything from now until the end of your life, it wouldn't require any faith, would it? The just shall live by faith. But what you do know of your path, stay on it. 
Don't let anybody push you off that path. Don't let discouragement push you off that path. You know, I've had people come to me from time to time, they feel called to teach, and then uh, two people show up to their class. You know what you do? You teach like there's 5,000 people in that room. Not because there's two people or 5,000, but because God called you to teach that class. I've had more than one person be given the trust of teaching, but because they looked at the size of the crowd, they weren't really discerning the fact of the need of the people that did show up. Does that make sense to you? Uh, One child or 50 kids. Two adults or a thousand adults. It doesn't make any difference. You maintain what God has called you to do and stay on your path. I love that story that Creflo talks about. He started a Bible study and and nobody showed up. Um, Nobody. It's hard to understand or believe, but everybody say it. Nobody. How many of that kind of discourage you? Well, I thought I heard from God. And it's time to teach, but there's nobody here. So you know what he decided to do? He decided to teach and preach like that room was full. And he did. I'm just going to preach the angels that showed up. Just give them everything I got. And, you know, sometimes you can have a room full of people and it can be just as dead. Those of you who've taught the word, come on, give me a good amen. Sometimes, sometimes the light's on and nobody's home. And boy, he just he just working up a storm. About halfway through his message, somebody finally stumbled in. And he just looked at him and said, I'm not starting from the beginning. <laughs> he just moved forward. But the Lord spoke to his heart after that and said, because you honor me this way, I will bless you. I will increase you in ministry. I'll increase you in these different ways. But can you imagine at that moment the decision that he had to make? The quality decision to be diligent. Nothing you do that God's called you to do is going to be necessarily easy. Ease is not a marker of God's will. Write it down. No. Simple is not a marker of God's will. Oftentimes it can be very, very challenging, very, very difficult, but it is still God's will. You don't live or serve God or do these things in a vacuum. You're in the middle of a war. We often think about Nehemiah who told the people to work with one hand, and with the other hand, what were they doing, church? To so build that wall, they had a weapon in their hand. You know, that's never been more true than it is today. You and I fight. We build the kingdom of God. We build the church. We build the body of Christ. And at the same time, we're at war. People trying to tear, th- tear down in real time what we're building up. Through my life and ministry, I've gotten a, a real kind of a, you know, problem with people who do that, that, that sit there and watch people work and build things up, and all they want to do is tear down people and tear down the things of God. I have a problem with that because that's the kind of thing Nehemiah dealt with. You're the same way. You know, you've got, uh, you know, your, your ministry, your call, your path, and at the same time, you're warring so that you can continue to do what you're called to do. Hallelujah. Say it with my path. Be diligent. What does that mean? It means you just don't get diligent after a pastor preaches this. You're diligent whether you hear another sermon on this year or not. Come on, say it. I'm staying on my path. Point at somebody and tell them, you stay on yours. Where are we at here? Six has it. Is it Six. Diligent to maintain your faith. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. Is it hard to maintain your faith? 
No, it's really kind of simple. On that side of the kingdom, as far as your own devotional time and your own walk with God, that is where it gets real easy and simple. The Bible says faith comes by what? Watch this. Faith comes. It always comes. What you read and discern and get from the word faith always comes. Say it with me. Faith, faith. Always, always comes. Faith comes by hearing. So if I'm hearing the word of God, what's happening? Faith is coming. Now, some people will use that faith, other people will not. But here tonight, guess what? Faith is coming for what? Faith is coming for diligence. Your faith is rising regarding the biblical principle and the biblical discipline of diligence in your life. Now, there are two ways you build your faith. One is faith comes by hearing. And the other one is just so simple. Beloved, to build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in what? The Holy Ghost. So reading the Word, looking at the Word, studying the Word, confessing the Word, doing the Word, and praying in the Holy Ghost, you will automatically build your faith. So whether you realize it or not tonight, your faith is, is growing. What we want is for our faith to grow exceedingly and not stop, right? Where you get all excited about the Word and you spend, you know, like five hours in the Word one day and then you don't do anything for ten years. That's not diligence. You're not going to maintain your faith when you don't have diligence in what you're doing to build that faith. Every day in the Word. Come on, say it. Every day. Every day praying in the Holy Ghost. Is that really all that difficult? No, both of them, write this down, both of them are a decision of your will. I will to read. I will to pray. Therefore, Diligence is always going to be a function of your will. Next, diligent in developing your character, 2 Peter 1.5. Look at somebody and say, you're already a character. But is it important that we reflect the heart and the image of God, the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit? It absolutely is, especially right now that we are different. Next, diligent to strengthen your walk, 2 Peter 1.10. Where is there a weakness? Strengthen it. Continue your diligence to grow and develop it. Here's an interesting one. Diligent to exhort others. Jude 1.3. Do people need to be exhorted? Do they need to be encouraged? Wouldn't it be cool if you just every day made up your mind you're going to encourage somebody? Could I have more than one amen on that? Diligent. If I do it once a year or whatever, I feel a goose bump. No. Every day there are people who could use that exhortation. There are a lot of people in this room right now that have that gift operating in their lives. You may not be called into a five-fold ministry, but you have an active gift of exhortation in your life. And you should let that thing flow. Well, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. You'd be surprised what people are going through at a moment in time. Not because you're standing at a holy pulpit somewhere, but because... You're in real life, and that person actually needs something, and you possess that gift. All it takes is just the decision to release it. I mean, what kind of pedigree does it take to actually turn the spigot on on a faucet? Nothing. Just the decision to do what? To turn it on. And that's what this is all about as well. Turn to somebody and tell them, exhort others. Next, diligent to keep the word, Joshua 22.5. 
Joshua said to those tribes who were going to take possession of their land on the east of the Jordan, he said, you can go now, but do this. Make sure you keep the law you've been told. Don't you go over there and flake out. You maintain what Moses has taught you. They were permitted to go back after they helped their brothers possess their land across the Jordan. They went back and he said these words to him in verse 5, But be very careful to keep the commandments and the law that Moses, a servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. You may be over here, they may be over here, but you have the same commandments over your life. Now, make sure that you're diligent to keep the word. Raise your hand if you've ever known something in the Bible, but you didn't keep it. Anybody? Look at all these heathen, man. I'm telling you, a pastor's got work cut out for him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Why didn't you keep it? Huh? Well, that's a good observation. Was it a decision to keep it? Did somebody make you not keep it? No, you chose not to. That's where the diligence comes in. Next, diligent to protect your goods or steward your goods, so to speak. Uh, what God has given you, look after it. Proverbs twelve twenty seven. No one needs this next one. Diligent to think before you act. And I suppose you could put in there, think before you speak. Proverbs 21.5, diligent. I mean, you know, it's a lot easier to head off a lot of things before you take that step than make the mess. Yes, amen. Next, diligent to keep your responsibilities. Proverbs 27.23, what is your responsibility? What is upon you? Be diligent in that. Um, we live in a day where people are irresponsible. They don't follow through. That's why when you do follow through, you stand out. You're outstanding. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're outstanding. Hallelujah. Here's another good one. Diligent to live right, 2 Peter 3.14. You mean you got to live right? Yeah, longer than a day. Do you know that, that holiness is still the mandate for the church? Uh, not how long your hair is. How long your dress is, whether you got makeup on or not, whether you got some earrings on or not, but a wholeness that stems to behavior and conduct that starts where? In the heart. Your heart is right. Your heart is pure. That'll affect your gait. It'll affect what you do, what you say, where you go, who you hang out with. It'll affect every part of your life. Living right and having diligence in that, it does affect you know, how God can move in your life when it comes to things like increase. Years ago, everybody say years ago, uh, Brother Jerry Henley came here to preach with, with Rita, and they were over there on the, on the church, uh, 16th in Glendale. And uh, a man came to him who basically was helping to subsidize all the bills at that time because they were on the verge of closing until they came there, and God used them to, to preserve the church. Let me thank God for fathers that go before us and mothers that go before us and had what? Diligence. Without diligence, we wouldn't be here right now. Not our diligence, their diligence. We wouldn't be here right now having this conversation. But a man came up to him and he said, uh, you know, man of God shouldn't have long hair like yours. And he had kind of up like that. And uh, the way it styled, it looked like he had a lot of hair. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, let's, 
we'll measure my hair and your hair, and if my hair is actually longer than your hair, then I'll have it cut. You know what? His hair ended up being shorter <laughs> than the man. Uh, the man still didn't accept that. that look at somebody and say, that's called a religion. Come on, say it with me. Religion. Religion. Uh, speaking of, I'll just let you know on, on February 6th at 11 right here on Saturday, we're going to be having a uh, memorial for Jim Laval, Dr. Jim Laval, and we encourage you all to come to that and support his mom and her friends in the community. But she was telling me that, you know, for years and years and years, her, his dad tried to get him to cut his hair. You don't even ever hear I guess he thought it was Samson or something like that. I don't know what it was, but uh, um, I just got to thinking about him meeting the Lord, you know, a couple weeks ago, and and Jesus looking at him, and him looking at Jesus, and both of them having long hair. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody say religion. religion. You know, he's not so much concerned about the length of your hair as it is about the length of your mouth, which is a much bigger deal. Amen. Rodney, you just don't have to worry about it at all. I mean, you just, just doesn't come up, does it? Yeah. Yep. When we arrive and get all holy like that, hallelujah. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, we're not talking about diligent in religion. In fact, if there's one thing you should drop from your life, it's any remnant of diligence in religion. You know, Ben rode into a sleepy little church in the south, and um, I mean, when an entire biker gang rolls up, it gets your attention. <laughs> and uh, they were actually ministering to an outlaw biker gang at the time, and, and some of the ladies that were there uh, weren't exactly dressed for church. And that's all I'll say about that. Uh, they were dressed to be what Tammy used to call sleazy biker chicks because that's exactly how they were viewed. So, you know, this deacon walks up to him and says, you need to tell those ladies to put some clothes on. They're making me lust. And he, he said, what? And, of course, these people are just completely lost, right? They don't know the Lord. There, there's nothing in them that would propel them to do anything remotely like cover up or change their wardrobe or whatever. You know, Christians, you can always tell how religious you are if you try to clean them up before Jesus catches them. Are you here tonight? That's not that we endorse something like that. That's not the point. The point is there's a time for that discussion. I'll get back to Ben in a moment. T.L. Osborne went overseas to Africa and he preached the gospel to people who are completely without clothes. He came back years later and a funny thing happened. No one preached the English ways, the Western culture to them, no one preached clothes to them. They preached Jesus to them, got them filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they came back, guess what? They had clothes on. He never preached, thou shalt wear clothes. That wasn't the issue. The issue is, are they going to go to hell or not? And when he went back, they were just clothed and just sitting there like somebody had spoken to what? To their hearts. You see how this works? And this guy says, they're making me lust. And Ben just looked at him and said, if it wasn't in you, it wouldn't come out of you. <laughs> and when somebody's looking at you, you know, 325 pounds, six foot five, <laughs> you get the message real quick. I like what the superintendent over in Tennessee did, uh, Gene Jackson, who I have immense respect for him, and he was no nonsense, but he pastored in... Uh, in the Nashville area, and he had a deacon do the same thing. A little lady came into the church, and she was not at all dressed, Pentecostal appropriate. And, uh, 
he came up and said, Pastor, you need, to, you need to do something about this lady. She's not dressed appropriately for church. And he said, did you say something to her? Yes, and I'll let her, tell, I'll let her know so. And he gets stuck his finger in his, in his gut like this, just like that. He said, you ever do that again, and I'll personally wipe the parking lot with the seat of your pants. You understand me? I don't know if that man left the church or not. He never finished the story. But, <laughs> but we're not wanting to be diligent in religion. Religion kills, it restricts, it doesn't give life. But living right is a different matter. Living consistent with the word, living consistent with what the Spirit of God says, and when we, of course, we fail, we're quick to repent. Say it with me, I am quick to repent when I step out of line with the word of God and what the Spirit is saying to your heart. Does that make sense? What's the next one? You don't know because I haven't told you yet. 13, 15, huh? Y'all count like I do. 45, 22, bingo. <laughs> Diligent in ministry building. 2 Chronicles 24, 13. Be a builder upper, don't be a terror downer. Build things up. Be a person who is a developer of others. Glory to God. Everybody say diligence. You know, churches aren't developed by accident. Diligence. You just stay at it. Next, diligent to be an example, 1 Timothy 4.15. Are you aware that people are watching you? They're watching you, David, aren't they? Not to make you intimidated or paranoid. (laughs) They're looking for someone to live a life. Amen. To be faithful, to be diligent, to actually live that life out, live that faith out. Be an example. That's what Paul told Timothy. Be an example to those that you're actually ministering to. He talked about in conduct, but also in doctrine. What you believe, but also in what you actually do. Say it with what I do and what I believe. And last, diligent to turn from apathy. Revelation 3.9. Do people need to be hot for God? Yes. And how do you know when, when you're getting apathetic towards the things of God? You don't need somebody to judge you. You just need to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, I'm getting cold towards the things of God. I'm getting apathetic towards them. There are markers of that. Obviously, you don't pray, you're not in the Word, you don't give, you don't serve, you don't come to the house of God, or you use COVID as an excuse not to do these things. Don't use COVID as a cover for your apathy. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I think I'll talk to them. You know. <laughs> and I see a lot of people in the body of Christ across the country doing that. COVID's not the real issue. The spirit of apathy has manifested in their life. That's the issue. And that's far more dangerous than COVID will ever be. And anybody that tells you any different, they're actually lying to you. A spiritual disease is more consequential than a physical disease will ever be. Does that make sense? You think that... that you being possibly contagious is a problem when it comes to COVID, you're far more dangerous passing on your apathy to others. Let's start with the kids, for example. When they're old and they want nothing to do with church and they don't raise their kids in church, you'll say, well, I was affiliated with this. The question is, did you at times use things like COVID as a cover for your apathy? They're not going to care about COVID. Amen? So we don't, 
you know, if you have smallpox, you don't give somebody the measles. And there's a lot of people catching this thing called spiritual apathy in this environment that we're in. Look at somebody say, not me. Amen. We're working on increase, aren't we? People that are working on increase, they want to be on fire for God, consistent for God, diligent to be an example, and diligent to turn from apathy. Can you receive that tonight? Say it with me. I choose not to quit, and I can't be defeated. I choose to be diligent on every area we study tonight. In Jesus' name, I choose to be diligent, steady application to my walk with God. Say it with me. I walk in the truth. I am faithful. I am diligent. I am increasing. And when God does the work of increase in your life, brag on him. Amen. Tell anybody to listen to you. This is what God did. This is the area that God increased me in. I want to just rejoice and thank him. No, it's not bragging when you're bragging on what God did. Does that make sense? A lot of Christians are silent about what God did, not realizing it's not you that did it, so brag on him. Give him all the glory and give him all the praise so people will know that the supernatural spirit of increase is on your life. Amen. And it is. Oh, that I mentioned to you that because, you know, Hope Harbor is so faithful in 2020, you're going to see supernatural harvest coming into your life. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, it's my turn. Amen. I'm up to bat. Glory to God. Well, how many people can be up to bat at one time? Everybody. <laughs> the line with God is not linear like Americans think. Excuse me, they're six feet apart, aren't they? <laughs> My bad. My bad. They're six feet apart. Have you all seen that picture on the Internet where everybody's six feet apart checking in in the airport? And they show a picture of them on the airplane. <laughs> Inches apart. You really do have to check your brain for some of this this year. Yep, like little ducks in line to check in and, you know, get their luggage in six feet apart, little stickers on the ground, but packed on the plane like sardines. Whoo, you better have faith in Jesus at the time that we're living. These people are just crazy. Amen. Hallelujah. Supernatural harvest. Come on, say it. Supernatural increase coming my way in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm not apathetic. I'm on fire for God. Hallelujah. Watch this. Increase is a decision. Diligence is a big part of that. So give the Lord a hand clap tonight and just thank him for it. Amen.